0: Turning your Bibles to 1 Samuel chapter 15, if you would. 1 Samuel chapter 15. Chapter uh, verse 12 of chapter 15. Verses uh, 12 through 23. Early in the morning, Samuel got up and went to meet Saul. But he was told Saul has gone to Carmel. There he has set up a monument in his own honor and has turned and gone on down to Gilgal. Y'all familiar with this story? Saul, the, the one who was chosen by God to lead the, be, be the very first king of Israel, the one who was, as described, was head and shoulders above everybody else. They described his, uh, uh, his appearance as one as kind of one of the good-looking ones. You know, that uh, starting tight end for the, uh, for the NFL football team. You know, that kind of guy. You know, big strapping fellow. Had abilities and talents. And everybody was going, yeah, I'd like to be with him. He's now king. He was given an assignment. And, and whenever he was given that assignment, uh, he kind of bent the rules a little bit. Verse 13 says, and Samuel reached him. And Saul said, the Lord bless you. I have carried out the Lord's instructions. It's real important, isn't it? I've carried out the Lord's instructions, but Samuel said, What then is the bleeding of sheep in my ears, and what is the lowing cattle that I hear? What is all this about? Well, what happened is that uh, Saul was given an assignment, and he was going on to a people that literally uh, was the, the, the it, we overuse the word terrorists, but they were the thugs of the area. They would uh, take land and they would take property by violence and thus they would go into areas and they would literally eradicate everything for their own good and they would take what was theirs. And God wasn't asking for the people, for Saul and the army of Israel to go, just some, uh, some type of punitive thing. Okay, you've done bad, so now we're gonna come and we're gonna eradicate you really good and forever. He was doing it as a point of justice. He was saying, okay, here's the wrong. I want to correct the wrong with the right. And he says here, I want you to not take anything. Saul, whenever you eradicate these people, I don't want you to take not one pencil. I don't want you to take one sheep, one goat. I don't want you to take anything that is typical for armies whenever they go into another area. So what took place? He didn't do it. So samuel comes and says what's this i'm hearing what is this you said you've done the lord's instructions and yet i still hear this verse 14 what then is the bleeding of sheep verse 15 and saul answered the soldiers brought them to, to brought from the Amalekites, and they spared the best of the sheep and the cattle Here you go you ready to sacrifice to the lord then good answer right isn't that a good answer uh yeah 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 i didn't do what i said but um, um Uh, It's for tonight's praise and worship and we really wanted to have a good service so this is what we did. We want to have sacrifice. Uh, He says, but we totally destroyed the rest. Enough, Samuel said to Saul, let me tell you what the Lord said to me last night. Go ahead, tell me. Tell me, what is it? Samuel said, although you were once small in your own eyes and did not become uh, the head of the tribes of Israel, the Lord anointed you king over Israel. And he sent you on a mission saying go and completely destroy those wicked people, the Amalekites, wage war against them until you have wiped them out. Why did you not obey the Lord? Why did you pounce on the plunder and do evil in the eyes of the Lord? But I did obey the Lord, Saul said. I went on the mission. The Lord assigned me. I completely destroyed the Amalekites. Brought back Agai their king. Their soldiers took sheep and cattle for the plunder. The best what was devoted to God in order to sacrifice. Come on, Samuel, don't you get this? I'm doing right. And you're trying to make me out as a bad guy. I did right here. In verse 20, but Samuel replied, Does the Lord delight in burnt offerings and sacrifice as much as the obeying of the Lord? To obey is better than sacrifice the heat is better than the fat of rams. For rebellion is a sin of deviation. And arrogance like the evil of idolatry. Wow. Because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he has rejected you as king. Well, here we go. Here's the word. You ready? Self-deception. Self-deception is not the worst thing you will ever do. Self-deception. Self-deception gives you permission to do the worst things you could possibly do. You ready? I'll say it one more time. Self-deception is not the worst thing you could do. Self-deception gives you permission to do the worst things you could possibly do. Self-deception is whenever we, we come along in life and we, we feel the tension of, uh, of disciplines, we, we feel the tension of doing those things which would be uh, sacrificial or would be struggle or would be even, a, a, you know, kind of walking up the hill versus walking down the hill. Self-deception is whenever we kick in and we justify ourselves so that we don't feel that tension anymore. So that way we can go on and we can continue on without having the conflict, the the cognitive dissonance. Y'all like that word? That that, that conflict within us. And so we have that self-deception that gives us permission to do things which we otherwise would not do. Saul is a great example of that. He's a guy who is looking at this this situation which was commanded of the Lord. I want you to go to a people. I want you to destroy them. I don't want you to take one thing. Why? Why did God say that? Why did he say, I don't want you to take anything? It's real simple. Because he wanted the other nations to see that they were doing something out of justice, not out of the point of advancing themselves. So many times military conquests are about gaining, or expanding, or solidifying financial resources. And God was saying to to the nations around Israel, I want you to do this because of justice, not so that you would get something out of this. You know, have you noticed that with God in our walk with Him? That sometimes He asks us to do things when it's not for our benefit? Doesn't that drive you crazy? Doesn't that just irritate you because you want to have an end game out of it? You want to be able to say, hey, wait a minute, the American way is I get a good deal because I get a better deal. And God says, no, you do this because it's sacrificial. And we have struggled with that. We try to rationalize it. We try to say, okay, God, you've got to give me the end game here. If I'm going through a challenge, if I'm going through a struggle, if I'm self-sacrificing, if I'm giving of my tithes, if if I'm giving to missionaries, if if I'm giving in volunteerism, if I'm doing all that, what am I going to get out of it, God? What are Are you going to bless me? Are you going to give me more? Okay, then I'm for it because that means we're going to do the, you know, Blessed a hundred times. What if God wants you to do it just because he wants you to do it? Are we willing then? We have a harder time with that because we start thinking, no, wait a minute. That's not the package that I signed on for. When I came to Christ, I signed on to the premium package. The premium package says that I will give him my sins, I will give him my life, and he will give me the blessings that I cannot contain. Not challenges that are hard and difficult. And so what happens is that we start looking at, like like the king here, we start looking at ways of which that we can justify trying to do a workaround. Trying to do a workaround the way God asks us to do. Because you remember, the life of Christ is the life that we follow. And the life of Christ was about giving of yourself, not getting more. And we struggle with that in America. We struggle that with the American church. Because many times the books that we read and the sermons we hear is all about how that God is going to give you more than you can contain. pressed down, shaking together, and running over. And we're going, that's the one I want. And whenever we run into challenges, we go, wait a minute, this doesn't make sense to me. This doesn't work. Because I wanted this, but I'm struggling with life issues. So we have a tendency... To want to do a workaround. We have a tendency to say, okay, there's got to be a blessing here for me somehow. So if I don't see it, then I've got to work until I, I can make it happen, just like Saul. So. so what comes from all that? Well, what comes from it is a position in which we can easily deceive ourselves. And again, self-deception is a common practice. It's whenever we engage in things that we know are inappropriate or know that that is not really in in alliance with where we should be with God. And we do that and we justify our behavior by saying, well, it's because. And so here's a great illustration. Is that many times we do it in the name of God. Is we say, okay, I'm, I'm doing an inappropriate thing but remember, you've got to understand, it's so that I can sacrifice to the Lord. We saved the best sheep. We did this. We, we did not fulfill what you asked us to do, Lord. But you've got to understand, we saw a better way. And the better way is so that we could sacrifice to you. The, prim, the prime, the prime, not just secondary. I remember one time whenever we were collecting food for, um, for the homeless, we had a, a, an individual who came to us and brought kind of some baskets of stuff, and and we said, "Wow, thanks so much. We'll distribute that." And they said, oh, don't give it a second thought. It's been on our freezer for over a year. It was all freezer born. We didn't w- burn. We didn't want it anymore. So we thought you could use it. You know? Go. Oh, well, thanks. Really. <laughs> wow. <laughs> what a sacrifice on your part. Throw it out or give it to us. Wow. And so, uh, you know, sometimes we 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 look at look at. Opportunities, that we say, Lord, I'm giving you my best. God says, No, I'm asking you to be obedient. There, are, there are many times whenever we do things in the name of Christ, whenever we honestly know that that's not appropriate behaviors and attitudes, and positions of which that are kind of rigid and harsh. And we say, you know what, it's because of my faith in Christ that I've got to hold this standard and I've got to hold this. And and we do that whenever really what God is asking us to be is people who truly and deeply love. God doesn't ask us to be the game warden or the, the probation officer for the word of God. He asks us to be people of love in a community that is desperately needing that more than ever. And see here he said saul said you gotta understand i'm doing it because it is for you whenever really it was for him he wanted it then he said hey wait a minute you even brought the king king agai and you brought him back see would you let me give you the rest of the story it was a common practice during that time for those who would conquer another nation that they would bring the king of that nation back and it would be a parade and there would be a place of which that you know that that everybody would line the streets and then the King King Saul would come and those who he conquered would also be paraded before and so thus you would be known as King of Kings have you ever heard that phrase before yeah you have Jesus Christ is King of Kings and so that's exactly what would take place and so what happened is Saul Saul comes along and he brings, just like all the other nations did, he brought this, this defeated king and paraded him in front so that way others would go, You're the man. You are the man. You're king. You defeated the Amalekites, the ones that, that were that literally just terrorizing this region. You've defeated them. you conquered them. You the man. That's the reason why that in this passage, Saul, he samuel says although you were once small in your own eyes you did become head of the tribes of israel one of the problems with self-deception is that it really heavily is involved with our pride is that we don't want to be thought less of we don't want to be devalued Uh, the work that that i've done with men over the years uh especially in the area of anger management is that uh, guys who have gotten into trouble, who have armed probation and things of this nature, especially in areas of domestic violence, it's pretty common for them to be um, uh, part of their sentencing is that they would be engaged in type of anger management. And, and so it's a, it's, a, it's a wonderful course. It's very beneficial. It's very strong. And it talks about uh, the nine core hurts a person has, that there are nine places in a person's core that if you touch that, that they will react in a, in a disproportionate way. They, they will become vindictive or they, you know, the list goes on and on. And, and uh, there's no reason for me to list all of them to you. But one of them is whenever we feel devalued. Whenever we feel like someone is devaluing us by either by, by their words, by their actions, or by them shunning us, or or as as you've seen in, in parties that you're you're talking to one and then someone more important comes and they turn their attention to them and you're going, Well, who am I what am I, a top liver? You know? That's an old phrase. Y'all have heard that, haven't you? And what happens is that whenever that that core hurt is touched then anger is the byproduct of that. It comes out because we feel that we've been devalued. We've been belittled. So our pride has all sorts of techniques and strategies in place that we would protect ourselves so that that would not be touched. That core hurt won't be touched. Does that make sense? And so what what we do is we have all sorts of posturing. We have some who use arrogance. We have some who use, uh, you know, the techniques of, you know, uh, self-abasement where they think if they get, you know, if they belittle themselves so much other people, you know, won't do that and all sorts of mental games that we play. But the point of it all is the fact that we don't want to be devalued. And so we engage in self-deception. And we engage in things of which that we think that others will not take note of, but we know, we know what we're doing here. We understand what we're doing here. One of those techniques is whenever we do blame shifting, Blame shifting is whenever we say, if it wasn't for my wife, I'd be a far better person. If it wasn't for my husband, I would have a far happier life. If it wasn't for my boss, life would be a lot easier and more enjoyable. And we blame shift and we put it off on others and we we shift that around so that we, we don't have to address what really is the issue. And the issue is the fact that we are the center of that. There are other things of which that we use in, in self deception in our techniques, but but and again, not trying to you know go through that list. That's not necessary. It's not a self help message here. It's a message about self deception. Is is the fact that we have a tendency to use all of these things to protect ourselves from what we know we need to be doing versus what we are doing. Uh, those of you who are young. Uh, You probably don't even know what I'm about to talk about is that um, you know there is we have our phones with the GPS well before the phones there was Garmin y'all remember Garmin the little thing on your dash you know there's some of you still have a Garmin on your dash don't you well okay now listen here, here I'm gonna go one further from you is before Garmin we had this this ancient old old thing called the McNelly Map, and it was a book of maps that you would carry in your car. Anybody ever done that besides me? Okay, all right, so I just want to make. So what you would do is you would have this, this massive book that was about this big, and you would stuff it in between the driver's seat, you know, and then we'd, you'd be riding along, and then you whip it out, and you would hurriedly try to find where you're at on this map so you could figure out where to go, okay? So one time, uh, my wife and I, we were driving along, and obviously I was not, I, I, nothing looked familiar, and I said, would you, you know, would you grab that map and pull it out, and let's figure out where we need to go and hurry, because we got this turn coming up, and so she whips out this map, and she is a very, very bright, very intelligent person, but when she looks at maps, it is like an algorithm from some space odyssey, healed you know, to her. You know, it was like, whoa. And so she, she says, you know, just in frustration because she really didn't understand. And I'm frustrated, I'm saying, hurry, you gotta, you gotta find this, and hurry, and all this sort of stuff. And she goes, turn here, turn here. And so I, I turn and going down this road and I'm going, this, this doesn't look right. And so she looks back at the map and she realizes that she had it upside down. <laughs> and so it was like, oh man, you know that the point is that self-deception is like whenever you're you're going the wrong direction but you've convinced yourself you're going the right way And so what happens is that you do everything possible to figure out oh yes I am I am this 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 is what I need to do you know what you've got to understand is that I, I you know I'm honestly The situation that I am, the pressure I am, I need that release. I need that release. And watching those things or engaging those activities or doing those things, you've got to understand, I am, if not, the pressure is just too much for me. You've got to understand that that because I'm just not happy in my marriage and just because I'm not, listen, if I was getting fulfillment from him, I wouldn't. And I'm not talking about immorality here. I'm talking about so many other things of which that we can justify ourselves, and we do that just like Samuel did, and we can even make it spiritual. I was uh, a. <clears throat> uh, I've been a part of uh, Christian education for a number of years, and and involved with it now, and raising money. For one of the things I do is with a Christian school, and and uh, I remember at, at a university called john brown university they had a uh, couple that uh, that was caught in a just a inappropriate situation and they brought them before the disciplinary folks and they said what in the world's going on and and with pride with pride the guy spoke up and he says oh we're testing our faith to see how strong our faith would be what (laughs) You're engaged in inappropriate behavior and now you're trying to spin this that you were testing your faith? That's how self-deception works. The problem with self-deception is that we are so good at it, we don't even recognize it whenever it's a part of us. That's the reason why we have to have the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the one who reveals all things. It's the, it's the part of the Trinity that many times we push aside and we say it's only appropriate whenever the worship is just electric and I just sense it. Or whenever there's a gifts, an expression of the gifts of the Spirit. What you also need to understand is that the Holy Spirit is absolutely vital against the cancer of self-deception. It is vital. It's it's the one of which that we can say, Holy Spirit, would you reveal, and as the scripture says, reveals all things. That the Holy Spirit will be able to penetrate all of the walls, all the religiosity, all of the, the techniques, all the blame shifting, all those kind of things, and put its finger upon our heart and say, it's no, it needs to be corrected. This needs to be adjusted. This needs to be dealt with. This needs to be stopped. And so, how do we do that? How how do we allow the Holy Spirit, you know, a, a, an entryway into that? Isn't isn't that something that's just supposed to default? You know, happen, you know, I I accepted Christ, I I prayed the sinner's prayer, and I got the premium package. And the other part of the premium package is that I I got the Holy Spirit. I don't know what happens there, but I got it. You know, it's kind of like my computer. I don't know half the things it does, but I got it. I don't know what it does, but I got it. I don't use it, but I got it, you know. So whenever people talk about terabytes, I got one of those. I don't know what it is, but I got it. And, uh, you know, that's the way we treat the Holy Spirit. I got it. I have no idea what it does, but I got it. And whenever God is saying, no, wait a minute, the Holy Spirit does have purpose. It has an empowerment. It has all of these things. But one thing it does is that the Holy Spirit reveals those things of which that we have selectively and wonderfully and carefully deceived ourselves over so how do we do that Uh, you know really it's not complicated but it's not quick does that make sense to y'all it's not complicated but it's not quick Uh, I, i i listened to a comedian the other day and he said you know what my microwave cooks popcorn in two minutes and i had to wait a full two minutes you know we're going Oh, my gosh, how dare that, you know, because we're wanting popcorn in 30 seconds now because two minutes is way too long. problem with God is that he doesn't usually microwave very much in our walk with him. Uh, Very rarely is there. There are some times whenever there's instant healing, but what I've noticed whenever it comes to the work of the Holy Spirit, he's got to work through a lot of layers, and that takes a little bit of time. Well, maybe it takes time with me, maybe not with you. But here's a prayer that I pray. Holy Spirit, I give you permission that you can search my heart and you could look into those areas of my life of which that I have chosen not to look into. And I've given you permission that you would reveal them through circumstances, individuals, and your word. That's the tough part. Because sometimes how the Holy Spirit can reveal is whenever you feel the tension and the conflict with someone else and you're going, what is going on here? And the Holy Spirit is just revealing that we have that area that needs to be addressed. So Holy Spirit, I give you permission that you can reveal to me those areas that you want to see adjusted or corrected Or may be brought better into alignment with you. And I give you permission to reveal that through individuals, circumstances, or your word. Now, I I know we in America, we have a tendency, we have a a memory span about as long as my hairline, right? (laughs) Not long. (laughs) And we have a tendency to say, okay, I've done it once, that's good enough, let's keep moving. The problem with that kind of prayer is that you cannot do it just once. It's just not. It's just not going to be effective. Because, what? first of all, you have to give the permission to allow to touch those areas of self-deception. So how often do I pray that prayer? I pray pretty often. But let me give you the response. Because our typical uh, thoughts here in America is that if it's revealed, then I'm going to get smacked. It's going to be something of which that it's going to be bloody and ugly, <laughs> you know. Okay, Lord, you're going to reveal through circumstances. Okay, then I'm going to be in a hospital bed flat on my back with IV in there and God tried. That's That's not Jesus Christ. Jesus wouldn't do that. Neither would the Holy Spirit. Jesus wouldn't hurt you, wouldn't harm you. Would not place you in a circumstance where you're having to go, okay, I gotta learn a lesson, and I've, I've got to learn this lesson. No, what he's wanting to do is simply reveal to you in a way that is in character with Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ, who reveals the Father, reveals that he is a loving God. So will he put you in a hospital? No. Will he put you in bankruptcy? No. Will he make you humiliated and where you're just, you will know, brought bare before everybody and everyone's gonna say, oh my gosh? No, 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 none of that, no. What he will do though is bring it to your attention. He's done that with me for countless times. I, I can't even tell you how many times. That the Holy Spirit has just brought things whenever to others they were not even recognizing what was going on. But a bell went off in my head and I went, oh, I got you. I got you. That does need. And so, whenever he reveals, what is the follow-up to that? The follow-up to that is this. Father, now that you've you've shown me those areas, I just want to be honest with you that I'm not capable in myself to bring that adjustment, I need you. I need your grace. I need your strength. I need your partnership. I need your coaching. I need you to coach me up. I need you to help me to push that to the side. Now, now, folks, uh, to be totally transparent with you, that there have been some issues uh, in my life that I've noticed that the Holy Spirit revealed that quickly and easily they were removed and they were taken out and, and I was able to move forward. There have been some that were far, far, far more entrenched. Some that were entrenched because of, my, because of experiences in the past. And, and I, I'll just be real candid with you all this morning. Rejection is tough for me. It's real tough for me when I feel like I'm being rejected. Boy, it just stings in me. And and so there are times whenever I need the Holy Spirit just to help me. And then I need God to come alongside and to say, Mark, let's bring healing to that and restoration to that. But never once have I been slapped by that. Never once and never will you be. I just want to give you this opportunity today to begin the prayer. Because in just a moment, I'm going to ask you to just bow your heads. You don't have to close your eyes, but to bow your heads. And if you're willing to begin praying this prayer, it's not a daily prayer. It's just a continual thing. Holy Spirit, I give you permission to search my heart, to reveal into me, to open up my eyes into areas that need to have adjustment, correction, repentance. I give you permission for that. And as you reveal, then then I'm going to take the courage to respond. I'm not going to just turn the other side. I'm not going to justify this like Saul did. I'm going to say yes. And I'll respond in kind. Y'all got it? It's a lot of words. It's not a short prayer. You want to write that on the back of your forehead uh, you know, or something like that? So here's what I'm going to do, is I'm going to voice out a prayer, and I'm going to pause in sections, just so that way you can kind of catch up. I'm not wanting you to to be a parrot and repeat after me. I'm wanting you to speak in your words. But there are areas that we must understand that need adjustment, correction, repentance. And God wants to do that. You ready? I I, I ask you to bow your head. Father, I thank you, first of all, that you're a loving God and you will never be less than that. You're not going to be mean and cruel at one time and loving at another. Even though that we've got some absolutely horrendous theology out there that says that you strike down and all that. You don't do that. You just don't do that. So I pray for your people, these are your children, these are your sons and daughters, and I just pray that they will recognize that you are always a loving God. But I also pray that they will recognize that we are very good at self-deception. Holy Spirit, I give you permission that you can reveal in my life not just saying it for public purposes, I really mean this, Lord, that you can reveal in my life areas that need to have correction, adjustment, repentance. Maybe I need to abandon that. And I understand that I'm talking a lot about attitudes here and reactions and ways that we think and what we allow our minds to drift to. That we need, that I need correction. I need to have that revealed. In Holy Spirit, I give you permission. I'm not going to dictate to you how you do that. I, you know me better than I know myself. So if you choose to do that with circumstances or with friends or with your word or with individuals I'm connected with, I, you you have permission. You have permission. I'm not going to try to demand of you. I'm just going to say yes to you. Holy Spirit, as you reveal, I, I, I have full confidence that you are not mean or cruel. You are not abusive. You will never be abusive. You will never be cruel. You will never be mean. You're a loving God and you will always maintain that way. So I count upon your lovingness to reveal. But I also commit that I will follow through. I will follow through with God's help. Through repentance and through intentionality. Of seeing those adjustments become permanent in my life. Those corrections to become permanent in my life. Those those ways of thinking to become permanent. Eliminating some thinking. Permanent. And I give you permission, I give you praise, and I give you glory for the results. Because, Lord, it is for, for your kingdom that I live. And I praise you for that. Well, folks, that's that's the prayer. That's that's the way it's it's done. And you know, I, I pray that prayer in my automobile go in places, turn off the radio, pray that prayer at times whenever I'm just decompressing from the day, I pray that prayer sometimes when I'm walking my neighborhood. And I've always found God to be responsive. I've always found him to be responsive. So am I asking that you do this because there's an end game that you're gonna get something out of it, like another paycheck or increase. I gave this $50 to this ministry. He sent me this holy water. Now I got a brand new million dollar house. No, I am not offering that. But I am offering a more meaningful relationship with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. That's what I'm offering.